Hello, hello, Heather Jean here with another episode of Confidence Through Cabaret. We are talking all things confidence in this podcast and what it is that we need to do to uphold our confidence or uplift our confidence in our personal life, our work life, or our stage life. So if you're listening to this on podcast audio, you should know that you can also find this on YouTube on the Confidence Through Cabaret YouTube channel. Check out the vodcast playlist. And if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, you can also get this on audio anywhere you get your podcast. Search Confidence Through Cabaret and you will find us. And today, I'm so excited about today. Today, my beautiful guest is Kelly Spencer. So I I know that we're going to talk a lot about who Kelly is and what Kelly does, but Kelly is a mindfulness specialist. And we talk a lot about mindfulness. You know, uh, if you're online, it's really hard to to miss that conversation about mindfulness. But we what we're talking about here is really having that love affair with yourself so that you can really understand who you are and what are your passions and how do you then express that and bring that out to the world. So please join me in welcoming the amazing Kelly Spencer, who is an author, who is a yoga and meditation teacher, who is a a coach and, as I say, a mindfulness specialist. Hello, Kelly. Hello, hello. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy. And you are in Canada, my favorite place. (laughs) And I'm here in the UK. So although we are both Canadians, we would be rivals if I was in Canada because I'm West Coast and you're East Coast. So yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Kelly, I, when you say you're a mindfulness specialist, what does that mean exactly? Well, I started out as a yoga and meditation teacher, which is a form of mindfulness practice. And then the more I studied it, I was actually a registered nurse before I got into all this. And I, could, I started to see that, you know, a lot of the healing this world needed, what we needed came from within. It came from within ourselves and it came in the present moment. So I started studying mindfulness more detail. Um, and, and then I just started getting into it more and more over the last 20 years. And so really it's, it's like I was, I was saying earlier to you when we were uh, just chatting before the podcast, so many people, like when you meet somebody, we try and sell ourselves to somebody or we might ask, you know, tell me about yourself. What makes you tick? What's your favorite things? And some of us aren't even aware of it ourselves. And when we're just being, when we're just being us, which I love, I went and saw Dr. Wayne Dyer years ago and he's like, we've glorified busy. We're not human doings, we're human beings. So when we're just being ourselves, who are we? What, what, how do we feel? How do we feel in our body? What kind of thoughts are we having? What kind of feelings are we having in each moment? And when we can do that, when we can pay more attention to ourselves in a non-judgmental way, then from that place with, of awareness and acceptance of who we are, then we can move uh, from there. We can make goals from there or change you know, where we want, but it has to come from a love and acceptance with that awareness of where we're at right here, right now. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would be with you until they until they hear the bit about the non-judgmental. <laughs> right? And then it's like, oh, well, awareness. Yeah, I, I think I read a study years ago that said something about, I think it was with the Dove campaign for women, um, that the average woman criticizes herself by 9.30 a.m. 
Yeah. That was an amazing campaign. If you're listening to this and you're not familiar with the Dove campaign, the, all the videos will still be on YouTube. Worth checking out for sure. Um, because it's very interesting about how we see ourselves versus, you know, how a camera might see us or how other people would see us. And um, and the, that's where the criticism comes in, right, is, is, is in that. So have you noticed a big difference? Because you've been doing this for a long time now. Have you noticed a big difference in social media is more and more of our day-to-day in the media, sorry. Yeah, yeah. In terms of, in terms of, you know, how we're critical of ourselves. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I feel like, um, in and maybe it's because it's a hot topic, and they know it'll, you know, be good marketing to sell it that way. Who knows? But there is more conversation about it. There's more conversation about what a person looks like with a filter and without. Um, there's more real, real women in a lot of the ads now, like not a photoshopped, not size two, not, uh, perfectly symmetrical, you know, features, but just real, real beautiful women. And I think you're seeing that more and more. I think we have a long way to go still too. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And before we started this, we, we were talking about having a love affair with yourself. And it made me think about, you know, in in the dating world, which I'm, I'm not participating in at this point, but that whole kind of, you know, if if you were making a dating uh, profile of yourself, you know, how much do you really know about yourself? Right. I'm... Um... I'm just in a new relationship in the last uh, five years. And so when we were getting to know each other, um, we would text and we do like 20 questions and we just go back and forth asking questions. And so what it, what I found when we did this, like it could be as simple as, okay, it's your birthday and your mom's going to make you your favorite meal. What will it be? And it like just silly stuff like that. But what I found when we did this is I got to know myself more too. Like I, I learned about them, but I also went, huh, what, is, how do I feel about that? Or, you know, whether, whatever the subject is, the more we can know about ourselves, what makes us tick, what rubs us the wrong way, what rubs us the right way, the better we can take care of ourselves and the better we can, um, you know, when we stand in our own truth and get to know ourselves unapologetically, there's a confidence that happens with that. And, you know, so many people, especially women, um, want will shrink. And, and I'm, I, I know you can't tell in a podcast, but I'm almost 5'11". Um, I've always been this tall, I feel, since I was born. <laughs> I was one of those kids in grade school that they'd go, okay, back row, middle, you, tall girl. And so forever I was trying to shrink, like, because I was taller than the boys. And then, um, you know, it was years ago at base, I was play, playing baseball, and I jumped up for a ball. And one of my friends said, A to be big, A to be big. And I, I've held on to that saying ever since then. Just that idea of why why not be big? Why not be whoever you are and shine out rather than shrinking or being apologetic for who you are? I love that so much. So I am dancing in a studio um, is where I do my training and we wear heels very often and, and very high heels, like minimum six inches. 
Um, and and people who are 5'11 will very often, oh, actually, I'm going to say women who are 5'11 will very often say, honestly, don't wear heels because it yes. makes me feel like I'm way too big. Yes. And that is so important that whatever size, shape, whoever we are, we get to uh, feel how we want to feel. We get to feel feminine or we get to feel powerful or whatever that is. And it's interesting about, and I, I imagine that men feel the same about shrinking, you know, in terms of if they're very, very, very tall. Um, I have three boys who are six foot four. Uh, so they don't drink because I've, I've made sure they, they grew up straight in their spine. But uh, that was a lot of work because tendencies to want to bend over and be like everybody else. So I love the 20 questions. I love that a lot about getting to know yourself. Um, because I think very often we hide behind our labels. Right. And we say, yeah, oh, like we, we identify with the hats what, that we're wearing and then maybe even form ourselves from there. Like, um, you know, I've seen this like throughout, like even in my community, at, like I own a wellness center and um, I've had people say to me, like, the wellness community doesn't believe in science, like my wellness, like a holistic wellness. They don't believe in science. I go, well, I do. Like, you know, whatever. If you don't, if you don't, then have at it. If you do, you then have at it. Like, uh, people go, well, don't you think that's rubbing against the wellness, the holistic wellness community? And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> like, I can't help how I feel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's part of that non-judgmental thing as well. Because right. if, we're, if we're judging ourselves, we're probably also judging others, right? Absolutely. And like, so when, when I do mindfulness talks, we talk just about that. Why do we feel the need to label something good or bad? Like even when I'm teaching yoga, like people will go, oh, she's really good at that pose. And I'm like, there's no good or bad in the pose. It's just about going to your edge in the pose, your fullest expression of the pose. And then moving from there, you go to your edge, you don't fall off. It wouldn't make sense for somebody like yourself that's maybe very agile or myself that's been doing yoga for 25 years to not go as far as I can just to appease everybody else, just as it would be um, equally unhealthy or hurtful possibly for somebody to try and compete. Uh, and, and so whenever we're assigning a good or a bad to something, that's a judgment. And the more we can think in neutral terms, like um, it could be as simple as, you know, you go to a restaurant, you order a bowl of soup and it's cold. If you assign a, a that's bad judgment to it, it's going to shift everything in your life. It's maybe the way you talk to the wait staff. Maybe it changes the dynamic of the conversation with the guest you're with. Maybe it ruins your day. Who knows? But if you just say to somebody, excuse me, my soup's cold as a fact without a judgment, then they go heat it up and they don't go in the back and go, oh, my God, that lady's losing her crap over some cold soup out there. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much energy that we would put into that having that judgment and that complaint and all the energy that would go on for a long time. Right. As just saying what we want and then moving on. Why do you think we're so afraid to say what we want? Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people, um, 
have codependent issues or people pleasing issues or keeping up with the Jones issues instead of, um, you know, that is kind of our society where we've been shown like, ooh, look what they have. Or, you know, as social media, I think we're going through a, a learning curve uh, with social media. Like my kids can't even believe that I didn't have a cell phone growing up or there wasn't Facebook when I was in high school. Um, but that's what they've been raised on. And so there's filters, there's like the appearance of look what I have and look how I look and look what I, even in the yoga world, look what I can do coming into a big contorted pose. And then people see it and go, well, I need to, I can't do that. Like I've had so many people say, I'm not very flexible, so I can't do yoga classes. And I'm like, well, I think that's might be why you would do it. <laughs> to increase your flexibility that doesn't have to be anything like my flexibility. Yeah, there is a huge amount of comparisonitis. Um, making mm -hmm. that. It, is, it is that, you know, and I, I hear the same in the aerial world. You have to be strong to do aerial, so I can't do that. But that's how you get strong. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. so, so okay, so... so What's the best place to start to have a love affair with yourself? What's the best what, sorry? Place to start to have a love affair with yourself? Um, honestly, I think it's to get to know yourself. So we've been, we've been taught to overthink since we were little. We're always up in our heads and thinking, thinking, thinking instead of feeling. And so when I work with clients, um, I, I often suggest a journaling um, this is what I learned today. This is how I felt today or starting your day or throughout your day doing um, mindfulness exercises of checking in with yourself to check in with how your body's feeling. Uh, where do you feel tension? Um, different ways that you can just start to be with yourself with your own breath Um it really just starts with starting to turn it inward. Um, you know, listening to those whispers within you, uh, those little urges within you instead of ignoring them. And then once we, and it is a practice, so it's not a, it's not a thing that you ever have it and then that's it. It's like, yeah, it's not, a, it's not a perfection. It's a practice. Exactly. So then, how do we how do how do we turn that outwards? How do we express that so that we're sharing that with the world? That's got to be the next step, right? Yeah, I think the more we get in tune with it, and then you know we start to express it. So um, I often encourage people to start with their interpersonal relationships with people they trust and know. Some people have a hard time just expressing themselves to the people they live with, like to say, hey, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable with the way you said that. Are you upset with me or is there something going on in your life? They, they just shut down and, and don't talk about it. So when we honor ourselves without judgment, then we start to take small steps. Some people have a hard time using their voice. So I'll suggest to write it out. So if you need to have a big conversation with somebody, write it out and then read it to them. So um, it feel, starts to feel more confident speaking your truth. And 
the more we practice that, um, my, my partner now says that I don't know how to not speak my truth now, because the more you practice it, the more it will just like almost eat you alive if you don't speak your truth. And it's very powerful and liberating to be able to express yourself in a confident, calm way um, that it has a quality of emotional intelligence to it where we are not allowing others um, to shift the way we feel. Otherwise, we'd just be like reacting nonstop to everybody around us. Um, a few years ago, my son and I were in the car and we came to a four-way stop. And you know when you get to a four-way stop, uh, I don't know, do they have those in the UK? No, but but I know what you mean. <laughs> so like where everybody has to stop on all four corners and then whoever gets there first goes first. But often what right. happens is people come about the same time and they go, okay, you go, you go, you go. So I can't even be bothered with that stuff. So if they, if they hesitate, I just go. And this guy was so mad at me for going and like the windows are closed but you can tell he's mad like face distorted giving me the fingers swearing carrying on and I just I gave him the peace sign <laughs> and I just smiled at him and my son goes oh my god you're so organic mom and I'm like no but let's talk about this I left a stop sign eight seconds before him and he's that mad and he's going to take it into his day and he's going to t maybe go wherever he's going and tell people you would believe this chicken, the four ways, that, whatever. I said, I don't need to take on his energy. I'm going to own my own and how I feel and continue to feel the way I want to feel. That is such good advice. That is so great. Because you have to want to be mad for the rest of the day about that, that four-way stop. Yeah. In the UK and most of Europe, we have roundabouts. Right. We're getting no, there. Canada's getting there. Yes. And that's quite a funny thing, watching Canadians try and use roundabouts. That makes me, that makes me laugh. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> I've used roundabouts for a long time now. And I think, oh, Canadians don't know how to do this. No, and we had one put in here and somebody uh, wrote on a social media, why the heck would they put trees and bushes in the middle of it? We can't even see over it. I don't think you need to. <laughs> you, you don't. You don't. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. But, it, but it's, it's, actually quite, it's actually quite funny because at a roundabout, you, unless there's a lot of traffic, you don't stop. Right. So you, 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 there's a flow to it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And the Canadians are kind of have more of a, a, a tendency to stop and say, no, no, you go. No, you, you Yeah, go. totally. And then give you the finger when you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it is a it is a cultural thing. It is a it is an interesting it is an interesting cultural thing. <clears throat> and I think um to that point, a lot of times we're very apologetic. Say it again, sorry? We're, we're very apologetic. Oh, a lot of times. And I think in the UK as well as in Canada, we are we are much more inclined to say sorry. sorry yeah, you sorry. go, sorry, sorry, you go. <laughs> but um, we don't. And, have and to I, be heard a, I heard a thing recently where they said um, because we're so apologetic here, instead of apologizing, let's say if you're late. 
thank them for their patience. So shift the energy and bring a gratitude. Thanks for waiting for me. I really appreciate it. It has a totally different feel than I'm so sorry I'm late. You know, like it, uh, it has, I, I just love it. Thank you so much for waiting for me. Thanks so much for your patience. It's so much more sincere. Yeah. Yeah. Because the sorry I'm late is a sense of trip. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That is good. That is good. Okay, so we so we we spend some time, we get to know ourselves, we learn to love ourselves for a lot of practice, and then we put that out there into the world. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, and it's a process. It's a, because a lot of us um, are going to have to peel back the onion layers of this because we've been maybe told when we were younger that our feelings were unimportant or our voice didn't have a place in the world, um, depending on different, you know, family, uh, cultural upbringings, there might be um, less importance given to women um, or maybe we were just told to sit down and shut up. Who knows? But there, there might be many layers to um, unravel this. And so sometimes we just have to start by breathing and checking in with ourselves every day. How do I feel in my body? How do I feel in my mind? And then even going further, what do I want for myself today? How do I want to feel today? What do I want to accomplish in the next day or two? And the more we get in contact with really knowing ourselves, the more we start to fill our own cup. And instead of, you know, running around making sure everybody else is happy, we start to fill our own cup and let the overflow of our cup extend to everybody else. It's like that airplane analogy that is commonly used. They say, you know, uh, front and back, here's your exits and put on your mask before you put your kids on or others. And there's a reason why, because so many people run around helping everybody else and then they lose their steam, they lose their breath. And um, if we all just took care of ourselves first and let the ripple effect go out to the world, oh my gosh, can you imagine the ripple effect that would have um, like on a collective consciousness where everybody was like, I'm feeling centered, I'm feeling peaceful, I'm, I'm, you know, openly conversating or communicating with people about how I feel and they're re reacting now because I'm not just being passive aggressive or giving them the silent treatment. They actually know what's wrong with me now and, and we can work through it. Like it would be amazing. So how do we bring that? Let's say, for example, into our work life. <clears throat> if I'm feeling irritable and I just don't want to be there today because it's how I woke up and I'm, there's something going on, and I express that, I still need to do the work or whatever I'm there to do. Right. Like maybe asking why, like, you know, first discovering what, and get a clear picture. Why am I feeling irritable today? What is going on? Um, because so many people kick the dog, so to speak, that saying, that meaning like something else bugs you and then you come back and you take it out on somebody else. Um, and Or the same is like maybe somebody else is irritable and you don't know why and you're taking it all personally. Like why they talk to me, like they seem snappy and they'll just, we just walk away from each other instead of communicating and saying, 
uh, hey, I'm sorry, I'm irritable today. I'm just warning everybody, you know, this is going on. Something's going on in my life. Or asking people, um, are you okay? You feel a little bit off. But often we just kind of go, oh, something's wrong with them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid it and go over here. Right. And like, you know, you know, you might walk up to somebody and they're on the computer and, and they kind of bark at you when you ask them a question, but you don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're emailing an aunt uh, about their cancer or something awful in their life. But we take it so personally instead of asking, hey, you seem off. Are you OK? Or expressing it ourselves. Sorry, guys, I know I'm snappy today. I got some stuff going on. So uh, please don't take it personally. It's my stuff. And I'm sorry if it overflows on you. I love that. I love Why that. Why not be honest? Like, we're, we kind of get into this, like, rainbow kitten, you know, happy unicorn thing going on in the world. Like, just be happy. And <laughs> that's great. We all want to be happy. We all deserve to be happy and full of joy. But all the other emotions are still valid. <laughs> and, and they're human responses. So when we feel sad, when we feel frustrated, when we feel angry, own it and just say to the people around us, I'm sorry, I'm just so angry about something in my life. So if I come off like a little wild today, it's not you, it's just stuff going on with me or whatever it is, but own the feeling to move through it. Um, validate yourself um, instead of like, just like, I'm, I'm so happy all the time. And, you know, I'm so, I'm so grateful for that new term, po uh, toxic positivity. Um, where people are just like, it's good. <laughs> and like, you're like, what do you mean it's good? Like you just got fired from your job. Why is it all good? <laughs> um, like just own it, own how you feel. And then, and then reach to the next highest vibrational feeling from there. Like you can't go from like despair to like love. I just love like maybe from despair, you just reach up to hope. Yeah, I think the toxic positivity is an interesting one. I lived toxic positivity for decades. And I didn't know. Right. Most of us because didn't. We thought we were just being good, positive people. Stay positive. Yeah. I just lost my job, but that's okay because I'll find another one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really didn't know, and I think that's because I didn't do the activities that you're talking about and the practices of being quiet and feeling into your body and asking yourself how you're feeling. You right. didn't do any. Right, because often we have, well, the thought precedes the feeling. So I'd like to call them thought feelings because they kind of go hand in hand. Like if you had a thought, like going back to the soup, it's a silly analogy, but if you had the thought, cold soup is bad, then the feeling that comes with it is I'm sad or I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm annoyed. And there's a judgment that happens. But often we hold that in our body. Um, I saw this all the time with nursing, the connection of the thought feeling within our bodies. So we often store well, all of our experiences we store in a cellular memory. So like if you've ever been in a car accident, and you, then you get in a near car accident, your body's gonna react very different than somebody that's never been in a car accident. 
and we can have positive uh, cellular memory too. Like, uh, you know, if uh, somebody, you smell pie and your mom used to make, make that same pie and it, it, it brings back all these feelings. So we can ask ourselves too, how we're thinking and feeling and maybe where we store that thought feeling in our body. Because sometimes like, um, I'm not even aware of it. I, I'm a mindfulness special, but I have a timer on my phone uh, that goes ding on the hour. And I have a really warped sense of humor. So at the beginning of COVID, I turned the ding to a cough. I know that's awful. But so once on the hour, it goes. <laughs> and, 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 but it's just a reminder for me to check in with myself because, you know, I, I have my hands in many pots and I run a business and a restaurant and I'm a teacher and, and a yoga uh, uh, life coach and a writer. And so I'll be sitting at my computer for hours and my shoulders will be up like this and I, I'll go. So it goes off and I'll go, have I had anything to drink lately? Have I gone to the bathroom? Am I hungry? I'll just check in with myself. Oh my gosh, my shoulders, move them down. And it's just uh, stress. We hold stress in our body, even if it's good stress, like planning a party, a wedding, anything like can be anything out of our norm is a good stress or a bad stress. It's just a change. And so we check in with our thought feelings and then where, where do we hold it in our body and what do I need in this moment? What do I need for myself? Sometimes it's speak your truth. Sometimes it's get up and go for a walk. You've been sitting for four hours. <laughs> I love that. And I, 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 I really love that. I used to go to a meditation center where every hour the, the bell would go. And not, everyone, a cough, not a cough. <laughs> no, no cough, no cough. It was a Buddhist minute. I don't know. They might. It was pre COVID. <laughs> okay. No, but it, it cough is so funny. But <laughs> wherever you were, no matter, even if you were on the stairs, you had to stay still for one minute to check in. And at first, I found that hard. But after a while, I I got to really appreciate that one minute, just for me. And when I first started yoga, my mom bought me the classes about 25 years ago, and uh, it was coming off the heels of a really difficult time in my life. And uh, what happened was at Shavasana, so if you don't know yoga, that's the last pose of the class where you basically, in my, my kids' yoga class, we call it the do-nothing pose, because you literally just lay there. And it used to drive me bonkers, because I had all this stuff going on in my life, that um, like I'd be fidgety or I would cry. And it, that's where I really started to discover uh, because there was another girl I knew in the class that said, I can't stand the stillness. It drives me nuts. My mind goes in overdrive. So then I started to explore this and mindfulness. And, and then like I came to this conclusion, there's a reason why the sleeping pill industry is a billion dollar industry because we, we have glorified busyness in our lives without checking in with ourselves don't get me wrong i'm a busy person i function well i'm busy but without checking in with yourself then we go 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 and we're like oh i'm so tired i can't even wait to get to bed our head hits the pillow and then our eyes open and we just start playing out the day the conversations next time i'm going to say this and for now on i'm going to do it and we start playing out these conversations because we haven't processed it during the day so the more we can deal with our day as it happens the less we have to deal with it later 
You know, I, I jokingly said to my kids when they were younger, dealing with something in their life, when their father and I split and all that, I said, you know, they're like, why do we got to talk so much about this? I go, well, you can do it now or when you're 35, it's up to you. <laughs> yeah, because it's going to come out. Right, right. And so if you're not dealing with it during the day, that's probably why you're at night wide awake, insomniacs. And uh, the more we can process life throughout the moments they're happening, like, how did I feel about that conversation? It made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I wish I had said that. Maybe I'll shoot them a text. You know, I feel like they thought this or all those things we play up here, just put them on the table and make it real. Put it into manifestation, into existence. I love this conversation so much. Because it makes it sound so straightforward and it is common sense. It is. It is. For many, it feels all weird and mystical, but it's not. No, but it's also not as easy as it sounds. No, it's a practice. Like, so when I first started all of this, like things that would trigger me in my life, and I was a people pleaser, I was very codependent for a lot of years. Um, it would, something would happen. I'd be rattled for a week, maybe two weeks. And then slowly it would be like, the more I worked with on myself and, and it's an ongoing practice. So I've been at it for 20, 25 years and I still have to practice it. It comes with more ease. So things that would rattle me for two weeks, all of a sudden were only rattling me for two days. And then pretty soon I could get, you know, a rhythm going where I knew how to deflate myself either with using our breath or something where I could pull myself out of a mode within a few hours. Sometimes, sometimes not. <laughs> Beautiful. And I, and I, I love how you apply all of your learning to your own life and your own practice as well because you're you're, you're walking and telling others how to do it yeah it's yeah awesome. yeah so now you're also an author right yeah so what do you write about um mindfulness <laughs> um so i um do, did a collaboration with a publishing company out of toronto ontario for a, a book called on her plate and it was a women a book for women um it, it brought forth um physical emotional mental um and as well as environmental <laughs> our relationship with food it's also a cookbook um so i wrote the chapter on mindfulness on how you know whether we're eating or whether we're uh, collaborating or gathering in women's circles which we've been doing since the beginning of time um you know a lot of um cultures like the indigenous cultures they would get the women in circles and the men would stay out of the circle as protection um it, it really about mindfulness of of being a woman uh, today and um then my other books were those sort of things life coaching one of them's a journal book a 28 day uh, mindfulness uh, uh journal uh based on the new moon energy um so it starts on a new moon and then it goes a 28 day cycle. And then one of them was my own story. Yeah. How beautiful. The reason why I threw that into the mix is because a lot of times people are experts, they study it, they write about it, they share it, they coach others on it, and they're not living it. 
from what you're describing is, you know, you're, I love that you're sharing that message with people that it, it looks easier, but it is always a practice. Yeah, yeah. And just like our habits that aren't good, <laughs> as we slowly peel back the layers and go, okay, that, that's maybe not a good habit to, you know, be passive aggressive. Maybe that's not good. <laughs> and so we acknowledge it and it's through the acknowledgement that we can go okay so what do I want to do instead and it's a, just a slow it's like you know when people say like um, they want to change their lifestyle altogether I, I say the same thing pick one thing start to change it and then when that becomes more habit pick another this, this whole idea of like revamping your whole life at one is a little bit like setting us up for failure to think that we can just change 80 things about ourselves, our personality, our habits in one take. It's a process. Go slow. Pick one or two things and shift it. Take two minutes every morning and, and just breathe. Just close your eyes and just breathe. And, and often things will come up in your, your consciousness then. I love that. And I think I can always tell when I'm not meditating, it's because I'm hiding from that. And that's the time when I most need to be meditating. Right. There's that saying that uh, says, if you can't make five minutes, uh, uh, if you can't take five minutes a day to meditate, then you better be taking 30. Um, I'm there. Honestly, who doesn't have five minutes a day to just sit with themselves and breathe? Like, you know, if you have a morning routine where you have coffee or tea, um, it just like, honestly, just set your alarm five minutes earlier. And even if you just sit with like, I've got my cup of coffee still here. It's pretty cold now. But even if you just sat with it, breathing it in and tasting it, that's mindfulness, present moment of awareness of what is as it is. And the more you can practice to be in the moment, the less you'll be back there where things that have happened and you'll be playing them over and over and over and over or worrying about the future or what's going to happen. Like, I, I don't mean not setting goals or whatever, but even the goals we set has to come from an acceptance of where we're at right here and right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I take my cup of coffee. Actually, I have a cup of tea in the morning. I take it outside even if it's raining. Oh, nice. I sit outside for five minutes because it's pretty, it's not, it's not like Ontario. It's more like Vancouver here, you know, not, never gets people. Yeah. So, um, Kelly, I wanted to talk to you about cabaret. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, Anyone who isn't familiar with cabaret, it it is typically a small venue with an audience, and you would be on a stage. Sometimes there isn't even an elevated stage. Sometimes it's just floor space. Sometimes it's just one step up. It doesn't have to be a big theater. Um, in fact, that then becomes a different kind of performance. But cabaret is a small audience, which means that you're engaged and intimate with your audience, so you can see them all. They can see you very clearly. Um, and it could be that the performers are singing, they could be doing comedy, they could be uh, dancing in various ways, chair dancing, burlesque, um, uh, belly dancing, uh, contemporary dancing, you name it, they could be doing any of those. Uh, sometimes it's aerial dancing as well. Um, 
sometimes it's contortion. There's all different forms. Anything that is performance related to connect with your audience. Usually it's about telling a story or having some form of narrative. So when we think about burlesque and you think the most famous person in burlesque right now would be Duke von Hees. She does kind of a, you know, beautiful costumes and striptease. She doesn't tend to tell a story as much as somebody in, say, neo where they might be making a statement. Um, certainly for me, there's a, uh, my statements are all about uh, women not being into uh, uh, defined categories or characteristics. Um, and so if you were performing in cabaret, what kind of performance would you want to do? Gosh, that's such a, like when you had mentioned cabaret, honestly, the first thing that popped in my head was Liza Minnelli from that movie. But then when you kind of explained a bit more, I just, I just, like, I'm a fan of old school entertainment. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is like, since the beginning of time, we've been storytelling, we've been sharing music, we've been sharing dance. And I think <clears throat> the way you describe it, it pulls all of those factors into play. And one of the things like during the pandemic that I really found was as soon as things opened, I couldn't get enough of that stuff, of music and concerts or plays. I just went and saw Mamma Mia, the musical. Oh, it was so good. And so what would I do? I honestly, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I love that idea of the interaction with people. Um, yeah, give me some options, man. I mean, I it, could be, it could be that you're storytelling. It could be that you're, you know, do, doing a combination of, you know, playing some music and... Uh, and, 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 and moving with your body or you know, reading poetry with music in the background or any number of things like that. Yeah. You know, you could literally just sit and read poetry. And, and particularly, because obviously when we're on a stage, we want to take up the spotlight or we want to take up the space. So, so I, I guess I would say, because I do a lot of public speaking, and I've been told that, because um, mindfulness can be a little bit of a dry conversation, that I tend to add like funny stories into it. Um, and even my own um, character flaws and my own dysfunction, I can make a joke about. And so I feel like that's what kind of I would do, a very interactive, funny but real conversation about life i love that i would go to see that <laughs> so i just uh like i i think like even in the hardest thing so my kids they went through a lot of stuff when they're little and i was just talking to the kid's dad the other day and my um son is doing something and and uh so i just sent him a message and he's like i'm just so proud and i said see we didn't f him up as bad as we thought we did <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah. if you can't make light of our, our past mistakes, then what are we doing? Just brewing in it and stewing in it and Or but, shoving it down that's gonna come up later. Yeah, feeling guilt about it. And so yeah, so I I, I like to add humor to well, 
to heart situations like my cough, yes. <laughs> my cough alarm on my phone, <laughs> which totally made people at the beginning of the pandemic like, what is that? I'm like, have you got COVID? I'm like, it's my phone. <laughs> I love that. I love that situation. <laughs> Okay, so Kelly, if you're going to go on stage and you're going to you're going to do an interactive kind of storytelling, if you were taking one prop with you, what would you take on stage? Um, hmm, I would think that it would be fun to wear a mask and then take the mask off because we all wear so many masks and we hide behind our mask, and I think that. Um, I would like in some way to encourage people to take their masks off. I don't know what, how to express to you how important that is. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Good. And now I have all kinds of burlesque uh, ideas going on in my head. Yay! <laughs> I, I actually do have a, a performance with a cape, with a big hood. And the last piece that I take off is the hood. Okay, that's so it's kind of it's quite it's quite um it's quite unexpected that your face would be the last thing that you would expose. Yeah. Yeah. Um and what would your stage name be, Kelly? Hmm. Well, the title of my one book is um, called Manduki Rising. And Manduki is my Sanskrit name that one of my, when I went through my yoga training, somebody gave me and it uh, translates to frog energy, which is the energy of transformation. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> That's fantastic. But, but I can, I've got the whole act pictured in my head. Now. <laughs> I'll come and do it. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think, I think, I mean, certainly you have the means to be able to do that and to be able to host this kind of thing. Yeah. Everybody's take off their masks. Yeah. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. So, um, Kelly, what is your favorite piece of advice that you've ever give, been given? The, my favorite what, sorry? Piece of advice. Um, it was from my father. Uh, when I was uh, younger, I was going through a difficult situation. And people had lots to say about my situation that um, I found hard to hear. And he picked up on the fact that I was getting down on myself because I wasn't following what everybody's advice. And he said, whatever choices you make for you are the right choices. And I was just like, yeah, like he really helped me own this uh, situation that, you know, some people didn't want me to do but I did and uh it it was it stuck it and I'm talking that was 30 years ago and it stuck with me so if I tell you that that's my favorite piece of advice ever too I'm speechless yeah I always say to people if it's right for you then it's right 
And I can't believe you just said that. This is how my, my whole body just went. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. That's my other, second one is from my son, who is my kid. Like, well, both my kids are obviously my kindred spirit. But my son is more like me. He's very heart-centered and strong. And um, I probably can't swear on this, right? Yes, you can. Oh, okay. Uh, so, I, again, I was going through a really difficult time in my life. And he said, you've got this. You're Kelly motherfucking Spencer. Yes. And I was just like, because I was like, and he said it. I'm like, yes, that's right. That's who I am. I don't need to make small of this. I need to own this and be me. It's fun when you get advice from from younger generations. It's amazing. It's amazing because sometimes their their simplicity of how they see things is so perfect. Yes. Kelly Spencer, where can people find you? Um, I'm on Facebook, Kelly Spencer. Um, and Instagram is Mindful Empowered um, Living. Mindful dot empowered dot living. Um, and yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I will make sure that those are in the show notes as well. Okay. If you can meet Kelly Spencer, then you can always reach out to me and I will uh, put you in touch. So you'll, you'll never lose touch with Kelly Spencer. Do get in touch if you want to continue the conversation or you want to find out more about her services or how to work or learn more about Kelly. Kelly, it has been such an honor to talk with you. Yeah, it's really so, been a pleasure. Thank you. I, I I love your message. I love what you share and how you share it. And I so appreciate you sharing it with us. Awesome. I'm so grateful. For everybody listening, thank you for being here. We love having you here. It's important that you find the things that, that help you uplift your confidence. We are Confidence Through Cabaret on all of the socials. You can always get in touch if you want to talk about how you want to raise your confidence in your personal or your stage life, whatever your stage is. And the only place that we are not confidence through Cabaret is on Twitter. We are at YBYWYS. And on Clubhouse, I'm at Heather YBYWYS. And this beautiful little letter stands for it is your body and it is your world. It is your stage. Place and own it. Oh, so good. Thank you again, Kelly. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you so much.